0: You know, Kim and I have just been so, for want of a pun, refreshed by being here this weekend, you know, and a big part of that has been those talented people that have led us in worship into the presence of God. You know, uh, they often get a lot of negative, you know, I can't imagine coming up here every week and... uh, You know, having to look out at you beautiful people. And sometimes, we've got to be real, you're just not in the place you're meant to be, are you? When you arrive at church, you know, and you aren't happy, smiling faces. And they look out on you and they have to think, oh, we've got to take these people from here to somewhere better. And, you know, they have done a great job with us. You know, but I want to encourage you. You know, church is not meant to be a filling station. It's meant to be an overflow station. You know, we don't come to church to get filled up to make it through the week. We come to church to overflow with everything that God has done in us and through us during the week. And to give him thanks and glory for those things. So make it easier on those guys by coming ready, coming prepared. Amen? I have a few things. I'm, I'm not very good. I'm English, so I'm not very good at promoting things. But I did write a book. And it is getting five-star reviews on Amazon, so I think it might be worth re- reading. It, Amazon have just released it in America now and plan to release it in Germany soon. So I guess it's doing okay. Um, so I would recommend that to you. It's on the bookshelf out the back there. Uh, it's $9.99, and I do get something from it. So you will bless me if you buy it. There are a limited number, so uh, please. Hey, it's Solomon. You can have that one. I just felt God told me to give you one. That's okay. For the rest of you, you can buy them in the hall. (laughs) There's also our magazine, which will tell you a little bit about who Kim and I are, what we do, and what God's led us into. Um, There are two other things as well. One, uh, we are starting to run a healing school as of September. Um, It's over three Saturdays. If you are interested in the healing ministry, we are bringing people together to share some of the lessons that Kim and I have learned over 40 years of ministry. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is worthwhile. Everywhere we have taught this, people have been released and have been set free to minister to the sick and not just to pray for the sick, but to see people healed and set free. So if you're interested in coming on that, please take one of these, sign up and uh, we'll send you more information. If you can't come to the dates, there's a little card like this. It's, It's quite clever. It folds out, and it becomes a USB stick, and you plug it into the side of your computer, and on MP3 are all the sessions of our healing school. So if you can't come, that might be something helpful to you. Finally... We are taking a mission next year to Bulgaria. A number of people have asked me about it. There is a sign-up slip for more information on the book table at the the back. We're going to be putting up our 1,500 seater 10 in Plovdiv, Bulgaria, in a Muslim district, which is full of Roma gypsies. We were there 10 years ago. We planted a church in amongst the Muslims. Over a 10-night period, we saw 290 Muslims come to know Jesus. (laughs) On the last day... We bought a swimming pool. We put it in the tent. We inflated it. We filled it with water. And these Muslims who who had become Christians came forward after we'd taught them on baptism. They came forward. They stood in the pool. They testified that they'd turned their back on Allah and they had accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior and were baptized in what? We started at 11 in the morning and we finished at 5 in the afternoon baptizing people. You know, so I'm looking for God to do big things there this next year. So if you're interested in joining our team, please put your name on the, the, uh, the registration slip. And that doesn't commit you to coming. It just commits us to sending you information about what's happening and how it's going to be. I believe we're living in exciting times. I believe we're living in exciting times. Some of you don't seem too sure about that. You know? God is at work. You know, we've been talking about in the day of your power. And I believe in one sense we are living in the day of God's power. You know, we can pray for revival and we can pray for outpourings in a way that we've seen in this nation before. But I believe since the day of Pentecost, we have been a people who are living in the day of God's power. Before Pentecost... God moved on specific individuals for specific tasks. From the day of Pentecost, he poured out his spirit on all that have come to know him. He wants us to be a people of power. He wants us to uh, see miracles as a normal part of life. You know, these are significant times, but we have choices to make. You know, will we choose to follow the Lord wholeheartedly and enter into everything that he's promised us, or will we settle for something less than God's best? You know, if we look at history, we can see that all through history, men have settled for something less than God's best. You know, it seems to me that there's a credibility gap in the church at this moment between what we believe and what we see. And I believe that God wants to close that credibility gap. But it's our choice. God has already sent His Holy Spirit. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and overflow through us. You know, He's put a river deep within us. He said, In your, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of life." You know, we re- when we were baptized in the Holy Spirit, we received that river, and it's up to us to release it and allow it to flow in us and through us. You know, the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they walked through the desert and they arrived, and there were two tribes the Canaanites, who was it that was the, let me just have a quick check, the Reubenites and the Gadai- Gadites and the half tribe of Manasseh got to a place. And they looked at the land and they said, this land is good enough for us. You know, I think that is one of the saddest decisions we have in the Bible. They decided that they wouldn't go into the promised land. They would settle on the wrong side of the Jordan for something less than God's best. You know, it's so easy to settle for something less. You know, we are from good churches. You know, we have good things happening. We see God move on occasions. And, you know, it would be great. It wouldn't be wrong, maybe. Well, perhaps it would be to settle for that. But it's easy to settle for that. You know, but a few years ago, I came to a place where I thought, God, I'm fed up with this credibility gap. I don't want to believe one thing and see another thing. And I said to God, Lord, As far as I am able, I am going to hear your voice and do whatever you tell me to do. And, you know, it was like I stepped off the edge. I leapt out of the boat and into the water, you know, and it got exciting, but it got frightening at times. You know, I remember being in a meeting and I was preaching on the blind man and, uh, you know, I, I I had heard another guy preach this sermon, and I thought I can do that sermon justice, you know. Uh, I thought I could do it more justice than he did it. So, you know, and what was the last thing the blind man heard before he got his eyesight back? And the preacher went, Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I preached this and I said, you know, this was and uh I, I said, you know, this was what what happened. And then we're praying for people at the end of the meeting. And the the lady comes forward, and she's got tunnel vision. She says, it's like looking through straws or pinholes. And I'm praying for her, and God says to me, what are you doing, son? I said, I'm praying, Lord. Please don't interrupt. He said, why are you praying? I said, because that's what we do. We lay our hands on the sick, and we pray for them. He said, did I tell you to pray for them? I said, well, what did you say? He said, I told you to heal the sick. He said, you preached it. Now do it. I said, excuse me? He said, well, you preached it. Do it. I said, "What? do what? He said, spit in her eyes. I am now wondering, did I brush my teeth this evening? I'm blowing on my hand to see whether my breath smells. Kim will tell you that I'm quite challenged directionally. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, um, if I spit, can I get it in her eyes? You know, I'm looking and I'm thinking, it would look really bad if I hit her forehead or her cheek. You know? So I did what all good pastors do at this stage. I put my hand on her head, prayed for her, and sent her back to her seat. I'm closing the meeting, and she's... And God said, I thought you said you would do whatever I told you. He said she could live like that for the rest of her life. Because you haven't done what I told you to do. Now I'm more frightened of God than I am of what people might think. And I went over to her and I said, excuse me, you're not healed, are you? She said, no, I'm not healed. I said, "Uh, I didn't do what God told me to do. She said, well, you just better do whatever God told you to do. I said, I think you need to know what God told me to do. (laughs) She said, I don't care. Just do it. I said, I'm going to tell you what God told me to do. So I told her and she looked at me, you know, and she used that little word, which means so much. She said, if God told you, you know, the devil always comes up with ifs, you know that, don't you? Whenever you hear God, his favorite word is two letters, IF, if God told you, you know, And I I looked at this woman and she said, if God told you, you can do it. And I still didn't trust my aim, so I spat on my thumbs and I rubbed it in her eyes. Nothing happened. I am devastated. I close the meeting. We get called out by the caretaker of the, the building. The ladies' toilets have been vandalized. One of the cubicle doors has got a big hole in it. Now, this lady wasn't a small lady. She was quite generous and uh, I imagined that she went into the toilet so angry at me spitting in her eye that she kicked a hole in the door. And uh, we went home, and we were feeling quite depressed. Well, I was, and I didn't sleep very well. And about 5 o'clock the next morning, our phone starts ringing. And I think, who on earth is phoning me at this time in the morning? And I pick up the phone, and there's someone screaming down the phone at me. And eventually, I calm this person down. I realize it's the lady from the night before. My first thought is she's phoning me up to tell me she's going to sue me for spitting in her eyes. But then she drops the bombshell. She said, I've just woken up, and I can see perfectly. You know, I believe that we are living in the day of God's power. It's up to us to close the credibility gap. It's up to us to hear God's voice and do what he says. You know, it's easy to work on the past. You know, Moses, when he was in the wilderness, came to a place and the children of Israel had no water. It was the second time this had happened and they were moaning again. And Moses spoke with God and God said to him, speak to the rock and water will come forth. And they called the people together and Moses walked out in front of the people and he missed it because he realized that he knew what to do. He had done it before. And he took his staff and he struck the rock. And the frightening thing is, water came out. And uh, the people drank and were happy. But God said, because you didn't follow me wholeheartedly, because you didn't do what I said to you, you will not enter the promised land. You know, it's so easy for us to go on past experiences and miss out on what God wants us to see now. You know, God is not a God of formulas. He's a God who wants us to live by faith. You know, Jesus died that we might have a relationship with him, not have a formula of how to do things. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, we're told the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Up until that moment, only the priest could go once a year beyond the veil and spend time with God. At that moment, Jesus died. He tore the veil open and said, everyone can come into a relationship with me. You know, let's not settle for some religion. Let's not settle for something less than God's best. He wants to have a relationship. With each and every one of us. I believe God is looking for a people who will follow Him wholeheartedly, who will hear His voice and do what He commands. And as we do that, I believe life starts to get exciting. We start to see everything that He's promised. You know, it's not difficult, you know. I often say to people, you know. I'm where I am because I'm not too bright. I don't have too many arguments with God, you know. God says it. You know, some of you, I'm sure my brother here has got much more intellect than me. And, and, you know, but when I hear God, you know, I maybe have one argument. And then I say, okay, God, you're right. I'm wrong. I'll do it. You know, some of us have too many arguments with him, you know, and it slows our progress. Yeah, I remember we were at a conference like this. And uh, at the end of the conference, a lady came in and she said to us, uh, it was a men's conference, sorry ladies, but uh, she said to us, gentlemen, uh, tomorrow morning when you leave your rooms, can you take your bedding off, your sheets and your pillowcases, and can you fold them and put them in a nice pile outside the room? Now, Kim will tell you I'm not in any way a modern man. You know, folding sheets, what's that all about? You know, and I'm thinking this is stupid Anyway. Why should you fold your sheets? Someone's going to have to unfold them to put them in the washing machine. I'm practical. I think, why bother folding them? It'd be much easier for the person down the line just to throw them in. But if you folded them, so I didn't fold my sheets. I'm sitting in the meeting like you are now. The speaker's just about to start. And God said to me, you didn't fold your sheets. I said, no, it's a stupid idea. He said, that lady is my representative here at this conference center. She has been given responsibility to do a job. She is my delegated authority in this place. You are now rebelling against me, not her. I tell you, I got up from my seat and I ran back to the bedroom. (laughs) I ran back. It was a bit like here. You know, it was quite a long way to your room. You know, and you can see my shape. I don't run fast. But I want to get back there before that housekeeping lady gets there. You know, I get there. And now, you know, as I said, I'm not a modern man. So it took me a little while to fold these sheets, you know. And every time I looked at them, I thought, I'm doing it. That's not good enough for God. So I I had to start again. You know, eventually I got these sheets and I looked down the row and there were a lot of piles of unfolded sheets. But mine amongst the folded ones was the best ones. You'd have been proud of me, ladies. You would have been proud of me. And I got back to the meeting, and the main speaker had just about finished what he was saying. That's how long it took. you know. And I thought, God, what was that all about? Two weeks later, I'm in a meeting, and we're praying for people. And a lady comes forward, and she's got lung cancer. And I have been preaching that God's kingdom is at hand. It's so close, you can reach out and grasp it. And as I'm praying for this lady, God says to me, what are you doing? I said, you're interrupting again, God. He said, yes, but what are you doing? I said, well, I'm praying. He said, I didn't tell you to pray. I, you know, I'm a bit slow sometimes. He said, he said, I told you to heal. And he said, in my kingdom, there's a new pair of lungs for this lady. And because you folded your seats, I will allow you to put your hand into my kingdom and give her a new pair of lungs. I said, how do you do that, God? He said, close your eyes. So I closed my eyes. And immediately I saw a video in my mind of a pair of lungs inflating and deflating, inflating. And, and I said, God, that's amazing. How do I give them to her? He said, reach out and give them to her. I said, they're in my head. He said, no, they're in my kingdom. So I reached out and I, I went like this lady, have a new pair of lungs. And she looked at me. She wasn't a believer. She looked at me, you know, with one of those looks, you know, you are crazy. There is nothing in your hand." I said, "No, there is a new pair of lungs. Receive them in Jesus name." Well, we closed the meeting, and she was the first out the door. You know, I could see it written all over her face. She thought that we were complete fruit loops. Two weeks later, I get a phone call. It's the lady. She said, "I have just been for a second scan." The first scan showed when they did a full body scan that I had cancer in my lungs. She said, they decided to do a targeted scan on my lungs so they could decide what treatment to give me. She said, the consultant went, Oh dear, we have a problem. She said, I started to panic. She said, well, What's the problem? He said, I can't see the cancer in your lungs. He then carried on, he said, But this is very strange. They don't even look the same shape. I'm looking at the two scans. It doesn't look like you have the same lungs. She said, that's why I'm phoning you. She said, because you said God was giving me a new pair of lungs. She She said, I've seen the scans that prove it. She said, I have 10 friends from the cancer clinic who are coming to my house next week. Would you like to come and pray for them? You know, when we hear what God says and we do what he tells us, the miraculous becomes the normal. You know, uh, I've told that story in many places. I'm sure some of you have heard me tell it before. But on two occasions, in two different places, I was telling the story. And two other guys came up to me who were at the conference. They both said something like this. They said, we were sat in the main conference hall. And we heard this voice say, you didn't fold your sheets. Both of them said to me, we ignored the voice. What would God have allowed us to do if we had gone back and folded the sheets? You know, I believe that God sets tests up for us to see whether he can trust us with his power. He has given us his Holy Spirit. We have everything we need, but we need to be a people that he can trust. We need to be a people who will follow him wholeheartedly, who will hear what he says and do what he commands us to do. You know Romans 8:19 tells us that all creation waits eager with eager longing for the children of God to be revealed. I believe the trees around this are looking for you to be revealed as a true son and daughter of the living God, as men and women who don't just sing about a God who works miracles, who makes a way, who is light in the darkness, but bear the family likeness. Do you bear the family likeness this morning? Creation is waiting for you to become everything you meant to be. The Bible teaches us that we are in this world, But we are not of this world. We are called to be different. You know, that means we don't need to panic about ISIS and all those things that are going on around us. You know, I find it exciting we've got so many Muslims in our country. You know, some church leaders have said, oh, we're losing the battle to the Muslims. No, God is bringing people that we would never be able to reach because we would not be allowed into their nations. He's bringing them to our nation that we can preach the gospel to them. You know, he said, go into all the world. I told the guys in my seminar yesterday, you don't need to go into all the world. You can just go to London. The whole world's come there. It's true. I've been there three times recently and I didn't hear anyone speaking English. (laughs) You know, I don't think we need to be frightened about what's going on around us. We need to be what God's called us to be. We need to be a people of power. We are called to be different. I believe we're called to be naturally different. Supernatural. You know, what do I mean by that? I mean that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're listening to God and waiting for Him to tell you. Some of you heard it, but it's worth telling you. I was coming out of McDonald's, you know, and it was a basement McDonald's, and we were walking up the stairs, and there was an old man, he was bent over at his shop, and in every step he took up the stairs, he went, Oh, oh. And I said to my friend, This scripture went through my head, you know, Jesus went around doing good. And I said to my friend, let's help him up the stairs. I said, you carry his bags and I'll give him a hand. So we went over to the guy and we said, can we carry your shopping? He said, oh, thank you so much. I said, here you are, take my arm. I'll help you up the stairs. And we got to the top of the stairs. And I heard this voice in my head and it said, you got it half right. I said, excuse me, God, I got it half right. What are you talking about? He said, you got it half right. I said, what? He said, what does that scripture say? It says, Jesus went around doing good. And he said, and the rest? And healing all who are oppressed of the devil. So I said, God, you want us to pray for this man outside McDonald's? He said, Yes. I said, But we're not in church, God. He said, I didn't pray for many people in church either. So I said to the man, I said, Excuse me, can we pray for you? He said, Look, tell us. He said, Outside McDonald's. I said, <laughs> I learn quickly sometimes. I said, Yes. Jesus didn't pray for many people in church. He said, okay, and he started to walk off down the street. I said, stop, come back. He said, what do you mean? I said, I want to pray for you. He said, well, you can. I said, no, I want to lay hands on you and pray for you. He said, outside McDonald's? I said, yes. So he's bent over like this. My friend's got his shopping, and we both lay our hands on him. And we start to draw a crowd, you know, and there's two big guys, you know. We're not muscular, but we're big. (laughs) And I can see what this crowd's thinking. They're thinking these guys are mucking this bloke. You know, they're going to knee him in a minute and run up the road with his shopping. (laughs) So I did what, you know, all good Christians do. I closed my eyes when I prayed, you know, because I didn't want to see what they were thinking. And I prayed. I said, Lord Jesus, just touch this man. Heal him. And and as I'm praying, my hand comes up like this and I open my eyes and the man is now looking at me eye to eye. And I said, how do you feel? He's got a smile. He said, I feel great. I said, do something you couldn't do before. He said, I am. I said, what are you doing? You're just standing there. He said, yes, I couldn't stand upright for nine years. And there outside McDonald's, God healed him. You know, we are called to be naturally supernatural. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we were in Switzerland, and uh, we're sitting at a table. We've been doing a big crusade in a tent out there, and they've taken us up into the Alps and, uh, for a fondue, Swiss fondue. If you ever get a chance to have Swiss fondue, it's lovely. Uh, and we were in this tiny restaurant, which was crammed full of people, and the waitress, every time she came to our table, just stared at me. And, you know, when people are staring you, you sort of look. Is she staring at me? Yes, she's definitely staring. And I said to my friend, I said, why does that woman keep staring at me? He said, I think she fancies you. I said, get real. You know, look. I've lost two stone since then, so I'm a little bit, you know, better. But, uh, you know, I said, get real. She doesn't fancy me. There's something else going on here. He said, I said to him, look, when she comes back, if she does it again, ask her why she keeps on staring at me. So she came back and straight away, she's looking at me. She's serving the plates, but she's not looking where she's putting the plates on the table. She's looking at me. You know, and that makes you feel really uncomfortable. So my friend said to her, my friend wants to know why you keep staring at him. (laughs) And then she looked embarrassed. And she said, he has beautiful eyes. And immediately that passage came, you know, the eyes are the windows of the soul. And I said to this lady, that's because I've got a beautiful soul. She said, pardon? I said, well, I'm a minister of the living God. And I said, when I got saved, he did something on the inside that changed me. And I said, you're seeing something beautiful. What you're seeing is Jesus in me. She went, wow. And somehow we got talking about healing. She said, really? God heals? And I said, yes. She said, could he heal me? I said, yes. So there in the restaurant, I took her hand and we started to pray. And she's going, you know. But this is such a small restaurant, and there's a hundred people crammed in. There is nowhere for her to go. The other thing is, everyone is now watching because she's like, and, she goes, oh, and I'm pulling and you know, trying to balance her on her legs because there is nowhere for her to fall. And you know everyone's looking. What is this man doing to this woman? And then you know she, she God's touched her. She says, "Wow." What did you do? I said, God's touched you. He's healed you. She said, wait here. She disappears off. She comes back with this lady who's in her late 20s, early 30s. She said, pray for her. It turns out it's her daughter. I take the daughter's hand, and immediately God says to me, she can't have children, and I want to give her a baby. And I say to this girl, I said, God is going to give you the desires of your heart. I said, there's some things you have dreamed about and God's telling you today that you will receive them. And she just burst into tears. You know, and you, we knew, and we prayed with her, and the same thing happened. And everyone in the restaurant said, What is going on? You know, I want to tell you, God wants us to be naturally supernatural. It is the day of God's power. You know, I have seen enough to make me dissatisfied with religion. I. Have a relationship with the living God. I don't have a religion. I have a relationship. That relationship is not perfect. You know, if I'm honest, you know, if you knew some of the things that my, about our relationship, you probably wouldn't let me speak here. But I'm doing my best to get to know God in a new way. To hear what he's saying and to do what he says. Acts 6, Acts 10, 37 to 38 tells us, you yourselves know what happened throughout Judea. I've just looked at the clock. I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) You yourself know what happened throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. It strikes me that a sign of God's presence with Jesus was that he did miracles and good works. Is the same true for us? He says, you know that God was with him because these are the things that are happening around him. I believe if we are sons of the Father, the same should be true for us. People will know that God is with us because the same things will be happening around us. And it's not good enough just to do good works because we're only getting it half right. If we just do good works, we need to push in to our relationship with him. We need to push deeper and hear what he's saying and do what he says. You know, I realized that God's speaking far more than I ever imagined. You know, I, I used to think God spoke quietly. You know, the still, small voice that the prophet heard. You know, God said to me, Tim, get real. I don't speak that quietly. It's just you listen from so far away. He says, if we draw near to him, he might draw near to us. Sorry? No? He will draw near to us. If you have a credibility gap in your life, I want to suggest to you this morning, that is caused by the distance in your relationship with Jesus. And I want to encourage you this morning, draw near. Because as you draw near to him, he promises that he will draw near to you. You know, I heard a guy preach on it. He said in the Greek, it literally says he will run to you. If you take a step towards him, he will run towards you. You know, God wants us to have a relationship that, Refl- means that we reflect his glory here on earth. You know, as you read through the New Testament, you can't help but be impacted by the level of supernatural activity that's going on. Healings, miracles, dreams, visions, chances, supernatural transportation. I want to get into that one. I spent too much time in airports. I'd like to just, you know, I heard of a guy that walked into the toilet at the airport, came out and he was in China. I thought, I want that, Lord. I don't want the nine-hour flight. And he actually got, he thought he had dreamt it, because when he went back in the toilet, when he'd finished his ministry in China, he went back in the toilet, he turned up in Heathrow, and he was up there at the same time, still waiting for his plane to go wherever he was going. But then somebody said to him, when are you coming back to China? He said, I don't think I've ever been to China. They said, well, we've got your business card. And you came, you know. I thought, I would like that. Supernatural transportation. Angelic visitations. Jailbreaks. Well, that might be helpful in the future. <laughs> you know, if some of the lobbies have their way, some of us are going to go to prison for what we believe. And I want to be in prison singing and the angels turn up and the warders have to, you know, the doors have gone and we go. You know, the early church was overflowing with supernatural activity. You know, I've got to the stage, if I read it in the Bible, I want to see it in my life. You know, I read about, uh, was it, Peter, whose shadow fell on the sick. And I thought, cool, that'd be a good one for an evangelist to have. You know, you walk down the street and your shadow falls on the sick. So I, I headed off to Southeast Asia because, you know, everyone knows in England you don't get much of a shadow. You know, because we don't get the sun very often. So it's not a great opportunity to practice here. So I'm out there and everywhere I go, I say, I'm here because, you know, I'm practicing my shadow ministry. (laughs) Nothing happened. But I am in Bulgaria in a gypsy makalar, a ghetto, in a a very poor area. It's minus 28 outside. There's two feet of snow. We're preaching in this small room. There's one 40-watt light bulb. Don't keep on showing me those things. <laughs> and, and there's one 40-watt light bulb. And I preached the gospel, and, and six gypsy men come forward. And they're proud guys. They don't respond publicly very easily. But they came forward and gave their life to Jesus. But one of them just had this great smile on his face. you know, And I thought, there's something more going on with him. There's something more. So I said to him, excuse me. I said, I can see you've got something more than just got saved. He said, yes. He said, the moment I stepped into your shadow, all the pain left my body. I said, pardon? He said, I'm riddled with arthritis, or was. He said, but the moment I came forward for salvation, he said, I stepped into your shadow and all the pain left my body. It was a 40-watt light bulb. You could barely see the shadow. I said, why? God said, I want you to know that I'm bigger than what you think. I can do the impossible with a flimsy little shadow. You don't need a great dark one. You know, I talked to the guy afterwards. He didn't read or write. He had never read the Bible. He didn't know the Bible said that Peter's shadow fell on the sick and people got healed. He just experienced it. You know, I read about... uh, Whitfield, how he'd walk down the street and people would get so convicted as he walked down the street, they would run out onto the street and bow on their knees and beg for forgiveness. I thought, as an evangelist, I want that. If you did it for him, God, do it for me. God said, it can't happen. I said, why? He said, you never walk anywhere. (laughs) You know, God's very practical. (laughs) So I decided I was going to walk to church every Sunday. So I started walking to church. And I arrive at church and I'm at the front setting up the lectern and everything. And there's a voice at the back and a bit of a commotion going at the back. And then I hear this voice, it's all his fault. And I I think, what's going on? And I see this woman at the back and she's pointing at me and she's going, it's his fault. I said, excuse me, madam, what's my fault? I don't think I know you. She said, it's your fault. I'm here. I said, why? She said, you've walked past my house the last few Sundays. She said, it's the miracle. She said, you look so much like an angel. I had to follow you and see where you were going. And she followed me to church and she got saved that Sunday morning. It is the day of his power. Do you believe it? Because I believe your expectations will dictate what you see and what you see God do through you. You know, we need to be a people who hear God. I was in America and, uh, you know, for a while I'd had problems. Every time I'd been on a plane, I had a bad back and uh, it would be agony for the first few days of ev- anywhere I got to. And I'm at a church in America and I'm in their prayer room, which is the prayer room. It was a house in, in the grounds, you know, very nice. Waterfall and the whole works in there. But you know, but I'm praying. And this man walks over to me, well, a young man walks over to me. said, said, uh, excuse me, do you have a problem with your back? And I said, yes, I do. How do you know? He said, well, I was praying in my dormitory room. And he said, God told me to get up and come to the prayer room because there was a blonde-haired man there who had problems with his back and he wants to heal you. And I thought, wow, God. And he prayed for me and the problems with my back ceased and I've not had problems on the praying since, you know. Because he was willing in his day to spend time talking to God. And not just hear God, but do what God said. You know, I believe many of us hear what God's saying. But then we forget it. We don't do it. You know, he took the time to come from his room to the prayer room. It was probably a quarter of a mile walk. It was a big complex. But he took the time to find me and pray for me. And God healed me. You know, I believe that God wants to talk to all of us like that. He wants us to be a people who are moving in power. He wants to talk much more than we imagine. I'd encourage you, talk to God as often as you have space. And you will find that he will talk to you. You know, conversations are a two-way thing. We often come to God with our shopping list. And then when we finish our shopping list, we get up and walk away. You know, if I talked to my wife like that, I think we'd soon have some problems in our house. You know, if I came home from a trip and said, here's my washing, get it washed and iron, I'm going away in two weeks, and do this and do that and do the other while I'm here. And I didn't give her a chance to talk, and then she's looking at me, I said, just get on with it, woman. You know, How do you think she'd respond? Yeah, often that's our prayer life. Get on with it, God. Why haven't you done it, God? Don't you love me? Oh, have I hit a raw nerve with some of you? I think he's saying, don't you love me if you're talking at me like that? I'm the living God. You know, if my son talked to me like that, he'd get a clip round the ear, I'll tell you. You know, God has given us a God receiver. He's put his spirit in us. We need to tune our spirit into his spirit. You know, there are voices, films, movies, all sorts of things flowing through this room right now. You can't see them or hear them because we haven't got a receiver. But if I brought a radio up here, and we tuned it in, you'd hear the voices. If we had a television with an antenna, you'd see the pictures. Just because you can't hear and see them doesn't mean they're not here. And the same is true. I believe God is speaking. Are you tuned in? You know, we are a people made up of a mind, body, and spirit. You know, and we need to tune our spirit into what God's saying. We need to make our minds submit to what God says, and then our feet do what he tells us. Because as the three line up, mind, body, and spirit, God's power flows. You know, we have a choice. Are we willing in the day of his power? The question is, does his power come because it's the day of his power and we're willing, or does it become because we're willing and we make it the day of his power? Because if we're doing the first, we'll keep praying and keep praying and keep asking God to send his power. And perhaps nothing will happen. But if we are willing and we say, God, here am I. Send me. Here am I, Lord. I'm listening for your voice. Speak to me. Let me do what you're commanding. Will we bring his power here on earth? I believe we will because when i decided that i was going to hear god's voice and do what he said regardless of what it cost his power started to flow and it's ruined me for anything else i need to see the real jesus in working in me and through me and i hope you're here because you want to as well and it's not that difficult i'm not a well educated guy you know i'm just a guy who's chose to hear what god said and do what he said and you know if you buy the book you'll see all the other stories the things that god has done with us you know and i feel privileged but i also feel hungry and thirsty for more because i've not seen all the stories in the bible happen in my life yet but i know enough to know That if God did it then, he'd do it again now. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Wait a second. If you're thirsty, you know, I think it was Joseph said the other day, you know, Jesus stood up on the feast and said, is anyone thirsty? He says, let them come to me and drink from the rivers of life. If you're thirsty for more of God this morning, just stand up where you are. You want to see that credibility gap closed. Then we need to mean business with God. You know, we can't do the same things and expect to get different results. We need to change the things we're doing. We need to change the way we're living. We need to change our relationship with God. That we talk to Him and we allow Him to talk to us and we're ready to do what He commands. So let's close our eyes for a moment. Heavenly Father. There are so many ways that we fall short of your standard, Lord. Lord, I'm fed up with the credibility gap between what we believe and what we see, Lord. Lord, I just invite you by your Holy Spirit to fill me up again, Lord. Let that river, that well of life that you placed in me when you baptized me in your spirit flow, Lord. Lord whatever blocks its flow Lord show it that I might remove those blockages and see your river flow out from me just as Ezekiel prophesied Lord that there'd be a river that would flow out of the temple into the surrounding area and everywhere it went Lord it brought life and it brought healing and transformation Lord Father let us be the temple that that river flows from Let us be the people that bring about life and transformation, Lord, and healing. Father, we want to bear the family resentments, Lord. We say, here we are, Lord. Forgive us our shortcomings, Lord, and send us into this world to be the light that you intended us to be. To bring your day of power. Amen.